Um, The scripture reading today is Matthew 25, 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten young women took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise, wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those young women got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourself. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other young women came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And this is a time when Jesus has been kind of criticizing some of his religious leaders, and right now he's talking to his disciples. And he does a lot in storytelling. He does a lot uh, to where he'll illustrate some things. And this is one of the illustrations he's talking about, where he's talking about the bride and the bridegroom. Uh, We are the bride. All of us are the bride. Jesus mentions this many times. Uh, He talks about uh, him being the bridegroom, we being the bride. He's talking about uh, a, a very intimate relationship uh, that, he, that God has with us. Uh, it, it's like a marriage. He, he knows us. He's with us. Uh, he's there to protect us. He, he's, he's just there all the time. Sometimes he, re, he uh, refers to himself as a shepherd. Uh, this is one case where he's referring to himself as the bridegroom. And a lot of times when we look at this, we think that what he's talking about is the end times. Well, not in this case. In this case, he's really talking about the people that are within his time period in the first century. He's talking about the religious leaders. What he's talking about is his disciples. Uh, They know who he is. Uh, They're still a little confused, but they know that he is somebody. Uh, But some people in this time period do not recognize him. They won't recognize him until... The, the crucifixion, the resurrection, when it's proved of, and of, of who Christ is. But right now, there are people that are not believing who he says he is. And so what he's saying is that the, the, the people, uh, the religious leaders and stuff, do not recognize him because they haven't kept vigil. They haven't continued to live and breathe the word of God, the, the, the Torah, the, the messages of the Old Testament, all of the messages that were saying this is what's going to be happening. He's saying that they'd not, they weren't keeping that in their hearts. And so naturally, they don't recognize who he is. But the ones that do recognize are the ones that were prepared, that were continually preparing for the coming of Christ. The, the book of Matthew is actually a book that the audience that it was written for is the Israelites. It is the Jewish people. It's there to say this connects to the Old Testament. This is what brings us, this is the guy that we've been telling you about. Those that were paying attention realized that those that weren't were not. 
Now, we like to talk about sometimes with the, uh, when we tell the stories of Jesus, we like to talk about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the, the lawmakers and all this stuff. Over here is the bad guys, the icky ones, and then we have Jesus and his disciples that, that know it all and, and everything like that. Well, like in everything, there's a little bit of gray. Um, there were people that didn't recognize Jesus. There were people that weren't prepared for him to be among them. But they'd waited a long time. Uh, in, in fact, the last time that we heard from a prophet to the time that Jesus was born is uh, like 400 years. And so, and during that time, the Israelites, they had, they had a mess going on. They had a lot of things that continually reminded them of keeping their faith, but then they had a lot of things that continually forced them to annihilate their faith, to put it aside. Uh, this is just kind of a, a brief timeline of where we were. The picture of the Old Testament right here, all right there, okay? And uh, look, visual aids. And then over here is the New Testament. So we have uh, 332 to 323, Alexander the Great takes over. He uh, takes over Israel. He kind of leaves them alone for a little bit. You know, he kind of lets them do their thing. He is uh, from uh, Greek philosophy and things like that. He's cultured and all of this kind of stuff. And he has uh, generals that have worked for him and all this. And he kind of leaves them alone. But then he dies. And then we have this time from 323 to 141 BC where the two people, the kind of two Two generals that were left in charge after Alexander died are now divvying up all of the territory. And the one right in the middle is Jerusalem. And they, for the next many years here, fight over Jerusalem. One group lets them, kind of kills them with kindness and says, you know, we just, we just want to rule, but you can have your faith. The other group says, you even try to have your faith, we're going to torture you, we're going to kill you. And not only you, but we're going to take care of your family. They're, they're, they're like the mafia. They're, they're just there, to, they're, they're threatening, they want to do it by force. Now imagine being this place for several generations of who's in charge now. One day they're nice to you, the next day they're torturing you. All because of your faith. So imagine being a family trying to hang on to your faith. One day you're celebrating. The next day you're fearful of even mentioning that you believe in God. So that's going on there too. Then we have uh, this period over here where the, the Jewish people kind of retake Israel and they get to kind of be in charge now. They celebrate their faith openly. They even expand Israel to the west. They expand it almost as much as Solomon first did when he was just building and all of this kind of stuff. It's a very, very happy time for them. They get to be who they are. So the people that are in this generation are celebrating. They're celebrating the Torah. They're celebrating the Old Testament. They're out there saying, hey, we have faith. But then Rome takes over. And as we know from our Bible, Bible stories and all of those Easter shows, uh, Rome is nice to them for a little while, tolerant, but then they're also not. And they don't know what day 
is going to, what, what the day is going to present. Rome's either going to be in a good mood or a bad mood. The people that are worshiping are either going to be uh, left alone or they're going to be killed. So imagine this, growing up in this time period for generations, for 400 years of your faith is sometimes celebrated and sometimes it scares the living daylights out of you. You see people just because they believe being killed. Now, also during this time, when, when uh, the uh, Israelites had taken over, there were crooked ones, too. They started a taxation, and they started to take advantage of people. And so, even during their nice time, the mistrust of the religious leaders was planted. So now you have the threat, you have the celebration, but you also have, you know, the ones, even when they let us celebrate, the ones in charge, eh, I don't know if I would really buy much from them. You know, they want to take my money, but he's driving a new car. They had him back then. They just didn't have any gas. They couldn't go anywhere. But they had, actually, they had gas. They just didn't know about it. But, and then we're over here in 37 BC where King Herod uh, rebuilds the second temple, and we also know that King Herod was basically a puppet figure for the Rome. He was, you know, worked on other sites. He couldn't be trusted uh, and all this stuff. And then about 30 years from here, Jesus is born. So, for 400 years, you go back to this tug of war. When somebody finally comes, still while you're occupied, and says, I'm the Messiah. I'm the chosen one. You don't know if you want to believe it or not. You don't trust the religious leaders that are with you. You're being occupied by a force that uh, is either going to leave you alone or punish you for your faith. And this guy, this Jesus guy, continues to rock the boat. Because he's not just saying that he's the Messiah. He is talking with authority. And what he's doing with authority is he is welcoming every person into the kingdom. You're loved by God. You're in. You're in. You are in. Everybody. And at the time when the religious leaders just wanted to maintain and not get into the, they kind of wanted to fly under the radar, not get into the attention of Rome, this guy is healing people feeding people. He's telling you to love your enemy. He's telling you that you are loved as you are. Do you believe him? See, we, we've, we've gone longer than this. We've gone 2,000 years since the last thing of the Old Testament, but we have the book. We, we have things that tell us about the resurrection. We know about the resurrection. The resurrection is the biggest time. Easter should be our most celebrated uh, holiday because it tells us that Christ is king. They didn't know that then. We're still, we're still a little bit of ways from that. Now, I don't want to stand up for the villains of our story, but I also know that there are times when that could be hard. To keep your faith, to keep moving forward, to keep saying, I believe, 
could be a, a struggle. It could be difficult. Especially, I mean, forget the fact that you've got, uh, you know, the occupying force, but you've got religious leaders that are crooked and self-centered, and they're taking your money, and they're not giving it to the poor. They're giving it to themselves. It's happening today. Sadly, we have a lot of people in our world today that are struggling with their faith. And they're not struggling because of who Christ is. They're struggling because of people who say who Christ is. They're struggling because religious leaders of today, some of them are crooked. Some of them are bigoted. Some of them are racist. Some of them have political agendas, but not religious agendas. And we also live in a world where we see a lot of violence. We see repression. We see people being hurt. We are living in the same period in time of many of the people that were there in that first century that are saying, I don't know. I don't know if this is the Messiah. And I can't blame them. For centuries, the church has done a lot of harm to a lot of people. We continue to do so. We have churches on the public eye right now that are fighting against each other when we should be united in Christ. And we're fighting over trivial things. We're fighting over, you know, who did this first and what's this tradition and is this person allowed in or is this person allowed in? It, it, it should be, when we follow Christ, it should be following Christ and Christ says, everybody in. Your, your, your biggest thing in any church is to make sure that that door stays open. Not figuratively, we have flies, you know, but we, it's <laughs> unlocked, so... The thing that the disciples had going for them is they kept that faith. They continued to practice. There were people, even in the times where we talk about the, the violence and the crookedness, there were people still from the days of Abraham that were still staying true to that message of God. There were religious leaders that were still leading their people to follow the true words of God, to love. There were people that were planted there and that seed was growing to where when Jesus came, they knew who he was. They recognized the signs. They were not frightened by his rebellious, rebellious nature of welcoming people, of loving people, of expanding the kingdom. They knew that that's what he was supposed to do. They knew it because they had lived and breathed the message of God. You know, sometimes we look at the message and we, we study things and stuff, but it doesn't plant. It doesn't stay in our hearts. When it stays in our hearts, we know. We know that the message is about love. And it, that determines how we see the world and, and judge other people. I live in a world today, I know that there are, there's people that you cannot trust. There is violence, there is harmful things, and yes, there is things that the church itself is doing that is harmful. 
But I know, I know that Christ is Christ. I know that this message of love is still worth spreading. I know that this message of kindness and welcoming is still worth fighting for. And the reason I know that is because I live and breathe it. I'm, I'm hoping that we all are. You know, this is a, this is a new church. If, uh, for those of you that uh, have not uh, joined us other than today, uh, we are only about five years old. Uh, we started this church. Uh, the United Methodist Church came to me and they said, hey, um, start this thing. And I said, you, what? Um, and they said, no, really, you should. And I said, I don't even know where I parked. But um, <laughs> they gave us some, some seed money, some plant money to get off the ground. Uh, and that money ended this year. So this is the year that we have to prove that we are financially able to self-sustain ourselves. It's not about profit. It's not about uh, anything like that. It's just about keeping it going, you know? And just in that five years, we've had some challenges. When we first planted the church, there were other churches within miles of us that hated us because they thought that we were going to be competing with them. They thought we were going to be stealing their people. We got accused of stealing people. We're not McDonald's and Burger King. <laughs> but we did. We had people that would leave comments on our Facebook and our social media that were vicious because of our, our opening door policy. Our idea that God is love. We'd put a message that God loves everybody. You'd, you'd be surprised at the hate mail we'd get. What's my favorite? I was called the spawn of Satan. Because, uh, and it, it came from a message of love. So we did have people that were saying, you cannot do this. We started to, to move into this, this place. It was small, but we knew that we could add multiple services. We're actually going to be adding another service pretty soon. Someone said, you know, you're never going to be able to do this in Fallbrook. They're all stuck up. <laughs> I'm looking at Dave, he lives just right over there. But <laughs> and then there, there was, right when we started to get our momentum, COVID. The, the Old Testament folks, they had their plagues. We had a pandemic. Imagine being a brand new church starting and you're getting your momentum and suddenly you're closed for nearly two years. You're trying to do online stuff, but the world changed. There's a lot of times when it felt like our faith was challenged. Our, our faith in whether or not this was going to happen really was challenged. If 
Financially, we still have people that say, you're not going to make it. You, are, you don't have the money that, that you need. You are not going to make it. They, they threaten things. Like, you know, with the Methodist church, what happens is if, if, you, if a church doesn't, isn't thriving, they, they take the pastor out first. That's the first one that gets moved. And then they try to replace him with, you know, uh, other people and things like that. And so there's the threat of that. But I have faith. I have tremendous faith. I think of the, the Israelites that continued to hold on even during the darkest times and the most scary times, and their scary times are nothing compared to this. We need a few bucks. We're raising money for chairs. They were out in the desert just wandering. Didn't even get a shower. I look here. There's barely a seat open in this place now. There's new people coming. There's old people. I'm looking at Dave again. There's old people coming. <laughs> there are people that come here, and why? We've, we've never done a big, you know, uh, try to do a gimmick thing. We've never tried to do a, 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 a big PR thing. We've never tried to do a big, you know, uh, this will get them in. This will be the one thing that will get them in. We have stayed true to that message of God is love from the very beginning, and we have stuck to it, and we will continue to stick, stick to it because we believe in it, because that's our connection to God. It's not about a building. never will be. It's not about even the chairs. It never will be. And it's not about me. It never will be. It's about loving God. It's about loving ourselves. It's about loving our neighbor. And we will be here making sure that every single person knows that they are loved by God as they are. That's our faith. That's what we hold on to. And that's why we know that Christ is Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord, you walk with us. You're there when we want you in our lives. You're there when we don't want you in our lives. You're always there during our shining moments and during our times of doubt. Help us with your encouragement. Help us with your challenges. Just help us by continuing to show your presence. And we see that in love. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.